Another Way to Play, Episode 35. Hey guys, this is Logan Freeman, founder of Live Free Investments. And if you want to learn to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to Another Way to Play with my buddy Hans Struzina. Welcome to Another Way to Play, your wake-up call to finally make a difference by creating a life defined by freedom. This is about entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and industry professionals that have left the 9-to-5 rat race behind by taking that personal leap from where they were to where they want to be. It's time to stop going through the motions, stop hitting the snooze button on your life, and get the insight and inspiration to make the next chapter of your life better than your last. This is Another Way to Play with your host, Hans Struzina. This is Another Way to Play. I am your host, Hans Struzina, and I believe that if you trade hours for dollars, you will never achieve true freedom in your life. Today's guest is someone that I've been really excited to bring on the show for quite a number of months here. Since I heard his story on another podcast, I have just thought he would be a great fit, and I'm really excited to bring him to you. He uh, was part of the NFL Raiders training camp in 2013, uh, played D2 ball, so was really um, pretty exceptional Division II player to be able to, to even be invited uh, to try out for the Raiders. Ultimately got cut, and in this episode, we're talking about his transition from professional sports and into what is now his real estate career. Between then, he... Uh, started a company called Live Free Investments in early 2018, but ultimately got to start in real estate after doing a live-in flip in 2013. We talk about being inspired and motivated um, and, and the distinction between the two. Uh, Logan talks about how being inspired comes from external forces. You know, you see someone succeeding, uh, someone gives you a good idea, you get inspired by it, as opposed to motivated. That's the internal stuff. That's the conversation you're having inside your head. That's what's keeping you going every single day. And he said the motivation is much more important than the inspiration. And we talk about it in the context of passion and purpose uh, in your life, because that's a big buzzword out there in the world. And he has some pretty opinionated thoughts on that one. So listen up for that one. As well, we talk about mentorship. As I'm sure you've heard a lot of people on the show talk about it. Uh, Logan is no stranger to it. He says, go out and find the people who are actually producing, because on Instagram and the podcast world, in all of these places, it's not easy to find those people. But once you do identify that person, go get in their world, sign up for their mastermind, buy their course, at least try and work for them for free. If they're a busy person, uh, just get around them. Uh, increase increase the, the quality of the people around you, and that will ultimately help set you on a path towards uh, your goals and where you want to be. Uh, so and before we get into this with Logan, uh, wanted to take a minute to remind you that I have my Calendly link down in the show notes. Uh, I'd love to have a personal one-on-one conversation with you to get to know you a little bit better, uh, to find out what's what you're liking in the podcast, how I can improve it, what questions I should be asking that I'm missing, or what ones I should double down on and dig a little deeper on that you uh, really want to hear more on. And if you get value out of this or any of the other episodes I've put out, if you wouldn't mind leaving me a written rating and review uh, on iTunes. It's really beneficial because it gives me feedback on how I'm doing as well as helps with the algorithm to get this show in front of more potential listeners. So without any further ado, guys, we're going to bring in uh, Logan Freeman. Logan, appreciate you coming on the show today, man. It's a pleasure and an honor to have you on. Well, thank you, Hans. I appreciate being here and 
hoping to share some wisdom with some listeners and, and learn from you as well. Awesome. Well, uh, before we kind of get into that part of it, um, why don't you take us back so you build a little bit of context for the listeners and tell everybody where your journey began. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Midwestern boy. So I grew up in Jefferson City, Missouri, which is the capital of Missouri. And not a lot of people, I think, know that. And, and it's, a, uh, it's a big farm city and, and uh, it's a very nice place to, to grow up. But I would say that uh, if Carol Dweck was writing a book about Jefferson City, it would be closer to the fixed mindset and not necessarily the growth mindset. And so my eyes were really opened when I went to college and uh, I went to a division two school in, in University of Central Missouri in Warrensburg, which just about an, out, an hour outside of Kansas City. And uh, I played football there. I had a great career, met a lot of great people and learned a lot about myself while playing football um, for the mules there. And and uh, had the option to go to the next level and, and have a tryout for uh, the Oakland Raiders. You know, while I was out there, I, I learned that my passion was not for football. And it was, and, <laughs> and I learned that the hard way by being cut from an NFL football team. But, you know, what I learned through that whole experience was, you know, my identity had been wrapped up as an athlete for so long that you know, I had to really step back, take inventory of who I was as an actual individual and, and who I was as a person. And I'm not going to say reinvent, but I really had to uh, bring out my true personality at that time. And so there was a lot of changes that happened. You know, after I got cut, I went back to school and finished my master's degree. And I landed a job in Kansas City working as a franchise consultant for Jimmy John's. So basically, I had 25 stores in the Kansas City uh, metro area. I also covered northwest Arkansas and a little bit of Iowa, too. And uh, I, I was a brand ambassador for, for the corporate stores. And, you know, what I learned through that career was it's really difficult to manage people. And, uh, and that was a really good eye-opener for me because I always thought that leadership, you had to manage other people and, and you needed to lead a team. And that's what I, I thought leadership really was. And I learned quickly that that wasn't really my strong suit. And so I left there and took a job at a startup sales company and, and uh, went from a huge organization to three full-time employees and really grew as a, what I'll call a, a career professional at that job. And we had some really good successes, but some really big failures as well. And, and um, you know, when I left there, they, they were getting ready to raise a lot of money and, and kind of do what they needed to do to scale that business. But I was getting married at the time and, and I felt like I should go get a, what I called a, a safer, comfortable job and at a, yeah. at a larger company. Um, less than a year and a half later, I was fired from that safe and comfortable job and found myself once again, thinking about who I was and what I wanted to focus on and and that's when I started my own company. Uh, I started Live Free Investments, but I also started a, uh, a small sales consulting firm at the time too, where I, I thought I wanted to be a sales coach as well. And I uh, quickly learned that, you know, that wasn't the route for me, but being uh, in real estate in some capacity was. And so that's how I landed my, my role into real estate and, and what I'm doing today. 
Dude, thank you very much for that overview because I think it it touches on a whole lot of your story, which obviously we can dive in. The the first of which is, you know, your sort of the tagline that you pop up on most podcasts with is the the NFL player turned real estate broker. Yeah. It's you know, that's that's the shiny one that gets people to click on it. But the <laughs> Oakland Raiders, man, like the funny thing is is I live about a mile and a half from where the Oakland Raider facility is. So you and okay. I have shared common ground. I live in Alameda. Okay, uh, so very cool. Just right on the east end, right over on the other side of the golf course from where the facility's at. Very good. Um, but you touched on something that I can absolutely relate to, and I think a lot of people can, is is getting your identity tied up in one thing and then either leaving college, getting a job, or getting fired from something, or in, in our case, athletics, right. uh, and then having it end abruptly, because it always does, and and trying to figure out what that next uh thing is and yeah and for absolutely. you and you know you had the unfortunate reality of being on the on the negative side of of retiring as opposed to someone who gets to choose when they retire i suppose but can you take us back to that moment and talk us through that transition from you have this opportunity to play in the nfl all the way down to okay now i got to go back to school and have this kind of quote-unquote normal life yeah well you know whenever i was cut i I had to I had to make a decision if I wanted to continue to play football and pursue that and it really never was my my passion. You know, I really enjoyed playing football in college because of all of the camaraderie and the the team aspects of working together towards a common goal. And in the in the in the league you don't really have that until you make the team. And even then, you know, you're you're on the chop, chopping block quite a quite a bit to make sure that you still have a job. And so mm -hmm. we really didn't have that, especially with the, the, the timing that I was out there just during camp and OTAs and, and things like that. And so, you know, that, that basically um, pulled what I'll call the, any passion that I had for playing the sport out of me. Um, and, and whenever I was cut, I really felt like it was, it was God saying, Hey, this is not really your, your calling. And so, you know, I was, I took a family, I went on a family trip with a uh, family friend and we were in Las Vegas, just hanging out, not like a crazy Vegas trip or anything. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I was just hanging out, had never been there before. Big family I went out there with and we were standing on top of the hotel at the pool and I was with my, my best friend and his dad and at, and, and the 49ers called me and they said, Hey, you know, our, our center just went down and we need a, we need a center to come and, and play. And, we'll fly you out. Are you in shape? And I said, yeah, I'm in great shape. You know, I, I was 330 pounds when I was playing. Well, I had already lost about 40 or 50 pounds in like four or five weeks because I wasn't mm -hmm. eating, you know, like I, I was. And, and yep. so uh, they said, well, what do you weigh? I was like, well, I weigh like about 280. And they're like, oh, okay. You know, what's going on? Are you still trying to play? And I, that was the moment, the defining moment that I said, you know, and I, and I, when I said no, it didn't, it didn't, I had no remorse to, for making that decision. And so you know, when I went back to school, you know, as a division two athlete, you have usually five years to complete school because you get redshirted. Well, I got my redshirt pulled my freshman year and I played in, in a couple games, but I also got hurt. So I, I got a medical redshirt and I was able to stay that fifth year and really develop. Well, I, I started on my master's. I graduated in four years with my undergrad and started on my master's degree that fifth year. And I was really close to getting it done. And, and I said, you know what, let's just go back and, and get that taken care of. I'll use that time to, to get a job as well. So I worked full time mm -hmm. 
while going to school full time. You know, I think that that's where I I started to learn that I could use my brain and, uh, uh, you know, not my body for for making a paycheck. And and that's when a lot of change happened in me. Man, that's really an interesting. I I had never heard that you got that call from the 49ers, which is congratulations. I mean, that's that says something to you as having a reputation in the space, but, um, but I mean, most people would be like, dude, this is what every NFL hopeful is waiting for is that call. Like someone got hurt, right. Get out here. <laughs> and yeah, you yeah. you're like, no, I'm good. You know, you, you decide you had something different going on for you. And I imagine that it wasn't maybe just as simple as you described it. Of course, there's probably a lot of thought that went into that, but it, it sounds like you, you had made up your decision in your right. mind to go in a different direction. And that just, that's where it took you. Absolutely. You know, I think that, you know, when that call came, you, you know, I, I wasn't mad about it and it felt good, I think, to get that call. But at the same time, I had already made that decision not to keep that weight on. And so right. um, subconsciously, I knew that if I went out there, even if I was at the right weight, my heart probably wouldn't be in it. And I'm, I'm a type of guy who's all in. And whenever I'm not all in to something, uh, you know, I don't perform at, at the level that I need to yep. be at. And, and I had to be real with myself. So there was a lot of people, you know, you can imagine a division two athlete getting called to go to camp, going out there, getting cut, uh, letting a lot of people down, or at least what you thought you were letting a lot of people down. Yeah. Nobody really cares all that much about you. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, that was a big realization, but even when I got that call, I said, you know, this would make a lot of other people happy, I think. Um, But I I don't think it was going to make me happy. And and so, you know, ultimately, you know, not making that or making that decision not to go out there led me to coming back to Kansas City and meeting the love of my life and, and starting a business that I am excited about every single day to wake up and, and actually do. So, you know, there is a plan out there if you're open to it and uh, can get past your own mental roadblocks a lot of the time. Totally. You know, I've heard you talk about the, uh, you know, your heart's not in it. You use the word passion once or twice in the last couple of minutes. And I know you have a pretty strong opinion about, about following your passion, especially as right. it pertains to business. Can you enlighten us on, on that? Because I think your opinion is pretty interesting and something that a lot of people probably need to hear. Yeah, well, I heard it put one, one time, you know, if, if Mother Teresa, who was like four foot six, you know, had a passion of being a WNBA player, you know, if she, if she really wanted to do that and follow that passion, would she have the impact that she had on, on the world? Probably, probably not. You know, I, I, I would say that following your passion is, is a catchy thing to say in the sense that uh, you, you, people like what feels good. And, you know, what feels good all the time is not what you should be doing. And I like the idea of finding the intersection of your greatest strength and your greatest passion to find that sweet spot. And it's much harder to find that sweet spot than it is to uh, just follow what feels good. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I, I am a big believer that it's purpose and not passion that really will inspire you and, and motivate you. And uh, one of my mentors, he doesn't even know he's my mentor, is Anthony Ian Arino, who wrote a lot of different sales books. And, and I really, really admire that guy's discipline and focus on writing and creating content. Uh, he's wrote 
the only sales guide you'll ever need, The Lost Art of Closing, Eat Their Lunch, all of these books. But mm -hmm. he just put out a weekly post or he, he's put out a weekly post for, I mean, almost as long as I think that Seth Godin has been doing it, which is very admirable. But anybody who commits to writing that much has read a lot of content and has formulated original ideas. And he said there's a difference between motivation and inspiration. And the word inspiration comes from inspire, which means in spirit. So I always thought that, you know, you needed to be inspired and not motivated. Well, just this past weekend, I read that Anthony Inarino actually dove in the difference between motivation and inspiration and said, you know, you get inspired by other uh, outside external forces, but you get motivated from the internal forces that you create for yourself. And I, I had never heard that, Hans. And so I, I really thought about that for a little bit. And, and I looked at the words of both of them and it, and it does make sense. You can, you can get in spirit from uh, somebody else, but you have to, you, to stay motivated. You have to create habits and disciplines around things uh, that you know are going to yield for yourself. And so uh, you, you know, being passionate about something when the going gets tough, you're not going to stay motivated to do that. You might get inspired, but inspiration doesn't last. Motivation from your internal forces does. And so I just want people to realize that following your passion is a novel idea. And it might be, it might sound complete at the theoretical level, but it's not really effective at the applied level until you dive into figuring out what about your passion are you good at and what what are you actually going to be able to be successful at because the greatest deterrent to following your passion is failure and not failure that you're not doing something you're not supposed to do it's just failure that you didn't set yourself up with a strategic plan from day one and so when you have purpose uh, I think purpose is much more meaningful than just following your passion bingo man that's that's awesome and I think one way that that lives out in your life specifically, which, which I've heard a couple times now is you, you got fired from that corporate job. Your wife started the LLC for you. Yeah. Uh, and then you just started hitting it. And then in 2018, fast forwarding a little bit, you were named, you know, number one, Kansas city investor specific agent. Is that, am I getting that correctly? That's right. That's and right. And you did that. And I've heard you talk about this, which I think is really I mean, it's, it's kind of brilliant, but it's so simple and the numbers just work so well. You, you went and toured 580 or 500 and something properties. You yep. wrote offers on 400 something of them and it got 120 accepted. That's exactly right. Did your homework. Hell yeah. <laughs> and then, <laughs> I love it. But, but you look at the, like, and, and that goes back to the passion thing. Cause like I'm in real estate too. I go out on tour and look, I'm in the residential side for my, sure. for my normal job, but I go out on tour. I see the inventory. I see what's turning, how many days on market, you know, what floor plans and all that stuff. And, and sometimes that's fun, but a lot of times you're looking at a bunch of crap yeah, and, and absolutely. you're doing it over and over and over and over and over again. So that when that buyer comes along, um, you can identify like, Hey, this comp was like this, but it's sold for this amount because of whatever, because the floor plan was this way or the finishes were that. And you want to talk about stuff that you're not particularly passionate about, like going out on tour to, you know, running around in the rain or the snow or the, yep. even when it's nice out and you'd rather be doing something else. Like, yes, it's cool to close 120 deals, but like, think about all the work you had to put in. And like, that's where that passion versus the internal motivation comes in. That's exactly right. You're, you hit it right on the head. 
you know, driving my, at the time, 2012 Chevy Malibu all around the city in the cold, walking through snow, looking at foundations and HVACs and, and uh, really, really gross houses. Mm-hmm. You know, that, mm-hmm. that really wasn't super fun. And there wasn't, and nobody else was out there walking around with their clipboard, writing down rehab estimates. And I do 10 to 12 to 15 a day. Um, and you know, there was no passion about that. You know, it was exhausting. I was tired. I mean, you you go out on tours, walking that many properties in a day, keeping all of that information, you know, in a way that is you can get back to your computer and then start actually doing rehab estimates and running comps and and putting together pro formas. There was a lot of work involved with that. And by the 450th time that I had did that, I'll tell you what, I wasn't super passionate about that. But mm-hmm. I was purposeful and I knew that it was an equation that if I put enough X plus Y, I was going to get enough Z. And, uh, you know, I was able to create that equation for myself. And everybody, th- I think, should think about what's the equation that they need to do. What are those different variables that they need to do? And, and we ha- you have to pivot. You always have to pivot. Those variables change sometimes. But there's an equation for every single business. And the only way to figure that out is to get out there and actually start taking action. And so I got to the point where other people, when they were looking at properties and they saw my car drive up, they were really upset because, you know, they might be touring with a, with a buyer client. I didn't have any buyers with me. It was just me. My investors were never there. Um, but I, I would tour right on top of them. And when they knew I showed up, they knew probably an offer was going to come in that was cash close in less mm-hmm, than two mm-hmm. weeks and no inspections. And, uh, you know, you, you get, you get a name for yourself out there in the marketplace, but I took enough action that, mm-hmm. uh, those same realtors, when they had listings that they needed to sell, guess what? They started sending them to me and giving me the real scoop with what was going on. So it was very beneficial from a lot of different standpoints. Dude, I love that. I lo- and I love the back end of that story. Cause you're, you're totally right. When you take the action and you get out there, uh, you build a reputation for yourself and people will then start to come to you. Um, a lot of the people who listen to this show are, you know, maybe stuck in a rut or someone who's trying to get out of that nine to five world, as I sort of alluded to offline to you. Um, and maybe they're trying to get into real estate. Maybe they're just trying to get into investment or start their own firm or, or do some consulting. But then it's like, how do I start? Because they've been so structured right. from, frankly, probably elementary school. Uh, to sort of go to class, you know, get do your homework, get your good grades, and go to high school, college, get the yep. good job, etc. Um, when you go out on your own in some way, you don't know necessarily what to do or like all the steps you have to take. And I think the you know the 10x rule, Grant Cardone, like that was one of the first books I read on my self development journey personally, which I know you listen to a lot too. I do four times um, a year. Which is awesome. And I'm going to have to, I have the audio book and I'm like, oh, that's a really great idea. I should it's incredible. put that back in my head. Um, but there's, there's sort of this, this qual, you know, uh, well, it's, it's kind of a morbid quote, but like, Car- I think it was Marx or, or one of the famous Russian communist leaders says like, um, quantity has its own quality. And there's certainly just like a massive action. You look at 500 houses, you analyze them all. You're going to probably be able to talk intelligently and sell, you know, 50 or hundred of them and make a decent amount of money. So, or you make enough sales calls, you're going to get enough yeses eventually. Like if you just throw numbers at it, 
yeah and that's a great way to start and that will almost guarantee your success like you lift enough weights you're gonna get big like it's just it's gonna happen right but then there's also this quality and then this like time in you know investment in like okay if i'm really selling 120 houses and making x what if i switched to different product or or became a little bit more discerning with my time and sold you know 10 percent of those at a higher price point which it's i believe that's what the pivot you took um exactly you know and and was able to sort of leverage out my time and and that sort of thing so like how do you switch from like that massive action component and then decide how to sort of narrow and niche yourself in um, and identify that for yourself if you're someone who's just starting out? Right. Well, you know, I think a lot of people get stuck in the paralysis by analysis. And, you know, the only way that, that uh, I know to get through that is, is to, to model myself behind and around people who've already done it. And, Hans, if you're training for the Olympics, if you're trying to sell 100 houses, if you want to lose 100 pounds, there's been somebody that has done it before you. There's not a lot of things in this, in this lifetime that, that hasn't necessarily been done. Now, we can argue that Elon Musk and Steve Jobs and, and these folks are you know, doing things you know, that never have done before, and that's great, but we're not all Elon Musk's, right? You know, mm-hmm. Which, by the way, his truck is... is hideous I, I, I don't know. And, <laughs> it's terrible and, isn't it <laughs> and then throwing that that metal ball at it was one of the funniest things i've seen all year um <laughs> breaking the two and not one but two windows that was if any listeners are listening to this go check out the demonstration that elong and his cio i think they did yeah. they did it was hilarious didn't but, he lose like 600 million dollars of of market cap or something through it was crazy yeah drops. it was it was crazy. You, you think they would have tested that out maybe a few times before. But going back to the, to the question, you know, I think that you can, there's a book called Steal Like an Artist by Austin Kleon. And that was a, it's a small little book, but it's a great book because the best in the business, uh, a lot of times haven't created something from scratch. They've stole mm-hmm. ideas and iterated on those ideas. And, and, and so you know, I think getting started is the most important thing. And when you don't have any experience, this is what I hear all the time. Yeah, but I don't have any experience. I said, okay, well, the only way to get experience is to go out and do. And Mm -hmm. even if you, even if you're not yielding results from all that action that you're taking, what allowed me to pivot into from doing a hundred thousand dollars single family homes to 68 unit, five, five and a half million dollar apartment complexes was because I took the action at the front end to learn all of the different steps that it, that you had to do to get there. And so, you know, quality is fantastic, but you can't get to quality a lot of times unless you have done the quantity. And until mm-hmm. you get that experience, you're not going to know what your own niche is. You can't start a niche without knowing what's already out there and actually getting out into the marketplace and, and getting feedback. You know, mm-hmm. MJ DeMarco talks about, he wrote The Millionaire's Fast Lane and Unscripted. And that's, mm-hmm. those are two incredible books. And he talks a lot about you, you, don't listen to, um, you don't listen to your own ideas. You know, there's these companies that they build these big products without talking to any of their customers. And mm-hmm. then they launch this thing and, and they're like, ah, you know, we're, we're Apple, so everybody's going to love this. Really? I mean, I, I don't know that many people that are on that that Apple upgrade program that, you know, you have to pay a certain month and you have to buy a new phone every 
you get a new phone every 15 months. I've, one friend of mine, I think, is on that. So yep. they make mistakes too, but what they're out there doing is they're out there testing the market and listening to it and then iterating on that. Yep. So, you know, the only way that I was able to get to quality was through that quantity and through that experience. And so I really did adopt the 10X mindset of, look, I know not every single one of these houses is going to be the right property to go evaluate, but to get to what I need to get to, I need to go put the reps in. It's similar to Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hour rule. Mm -hmm. You know, same thing with, uh, you know, when I think about a vendor that I'm going to work with, you know, might be a lender, it might be a lawyer, it might be an insurance broker. You know, am I going to work with the guy that, that has done it for 20 years? Or am I going to work with the guy that had just started last, last month? Well, probably the guy that's more experienced, but maybe the young guy that's getting started can hustle and, and find me some good deals that I wouldn't have found by myself, but probably going to start with that mo more experienced guy. And that's mm -hmm. fine. Most sophisticated investors, investors did not start with me. They started with somebody who'd done it before. And that yep. was okay too, because I, I put myself around individuals that have been doing this and playing the game at a higher level that I wanted to get to. And I listened to what they did. I fulfilled a, a really a big need for them. And uh, I got the experience in less than 15 months. Somehow, some way I've, I'm sitting in this chair as, as the quote unquote expert of multifamily mm -hmm. buying in, in Kansas city now, because I put myself around people who are doing that. And I was willing to put in the work, man. I, can't agree with you more on, on all of that. I mean, find a mentor, find someone that you can model success off of, whether it's someone online or you read their books or ideally, you know, you join their team, you get around them physically or a mastermind or something like that um, in order to just surround yourself with that kind of intelligence. Because you, you get around that and that experience, you're, you will just expand and you will become better and you will, you will you know, what, whatever, become the average of the five people you hang out with most. And if you That's upgrade right. that, your average goes up. It's simple. But I love their, the commitment to the quantity first, and then you get good. I think it is Grant Cardone who said something like, um, you know, you have to get consistent before you can get good. You just right. hit, hit repetitions, you know, whether it's writing offers, making cold calls, yep. you know, uh, creating podcasts or creating whatever, like just start. <laughs> That's exactly right. I'll tell you what, you know, my first podcast was earlier this year, or maybe it was late last year. I can't remember, but you know, I, I can remember being on that first one and being really nervous and mm -hmm. not knowing what I was going to talk about and almost scripted out every single thing that I was going to say. Uh, I also didn't have a microphone. My video was bad. The lighting was bad and my lighting still isn't super good, but you know, if this continues to yield, you know, I'm going to turn into some, you know, I'll have a, I'll have a studio where I'll only yeah. do these. But just last week, you know, I was interviewed by uh, Victor Minash on, on his podcast, The Real Estate Espresso, which has a ton of downloads. And mm -hmm. he emailed me and said, Logan, before, you know, just so you know, you know, if you're going to be on this podcast, you have to have this certain microphone and you cannot be on the podcast without having it. That's somebody playing at a higher level. And now every single podcast, I'm going to have good quality content because I'm going to have this microphone. And so mm -hmm. it's just, that's a, that's exact example of playing the game at a higher level uh, and, and putting yourself around those people. And they're going to, they're going to help elevate you to the next level.
Totally. But let, let's dig on, on that microphone analogy just, just for a sec, because I think there's something there. Um, you know, a lot of people will think using the podcast analogy, I want to start a podcast. So I got to get the lighting. I got to get the yep. microphone. I got to get, you know, the graphics and the stuff. Right. But you look at really what the, the point is like, yes, you can buy all those things. And yes, your production quality will be a little higher uh, as a result. But that will not replace the relationship you're building with the person, the rapport, yeah. the conversation, the content. That's the key, the buzzword right now, right? In the online space is the content. That's right. And that content typically comes from the experience or who you know, like what, what, you, what your story is and, and perfecting that before you go and buy, you know, some hundred, multi-hundred dollar microphone or lights or whatever. Like Exactly. And that goes for the same thing of like, you know, I want to be a real estate agent and I want to work with investors. Like, okay, great. Like you're probably not going to sell, you know, a multi-million dollar property, your very first shot. You need to go get around people um, who can help you usher through, you know, your first basic home buyer or your, or your hundred, couple hundred thousand dollar fixer upper to a flipper or whatever that is. Yep. And, and just start somewhere, start where you can, and then you can start to build it up uh, from there, but, but get regular before you get good. That's exactly right. I love that. That's awesome, man. Um, Relative to success, like let's, you know, you've obviously gotten some traction going in your business, in your career. Um, You know, you you don't necessarily have that beginner's mentality to the same degree because you've, you've grown and you've got become better, but like, how are you pushing yourself today um, in ways that you weren't able to before? or, Or like, how do you keep pushing the envelope for yourself now that you've started to get some traction, get some success going? Yeah, you know, I think it's it's important to, especially in the in the in the commercial real estate world. You know, a lot of times you're tied to the dollars, or your your dollars that you make are tied to the time that you put into uh, the effort. And so, a big realization for me this year, you know, I was on the Founders Growth Mindset. He's my old business coach, and uh, we detailed my whole process that I have for out of state buyers buying into Kansas City and. And he, he walked me through every step or I walked him through every step and he kind of showed me, you know, Logan, you've built a really great process, but a process that requires your hard work to be successful. And, and so uh, I guess what I'm, I'm saying is I'm working on building systems and uh, processes that can be out there in the marketplace um, at all times during the, during the day, during the evening, during the mornings that Mm -hmm. people can interact with me via webinar. um, And then they can opt in to receive email communication. And I bring them along a a buyer's journey or an investor's journey and show them past projects and vendors. I introduce them to my team here, my property managers, my insurance broker, my lenders through that whole process. And these are things that I've done manually all year long and spent close to 15 hours with people before they have purchased a property. And, uh, you know, I'm working to figure out a way to offload a lot of that work. And so when somebody really gets interested in purchasing a property, investing passively or, or doing a project with us, that they feel like they know us before they actually get on the phone. And so I'm pushing the envelope to see uh, one, can you utilize digital marketing and social media to grow a commercial real estate business? Because uh, there's only 
a handful of people out there doing it. Rod, mm -hmm. Rod uh, Santo Massimo is one of them. Um, there's a few, Adam Gower is, is another one of them, but there's like very few, uh, the real estate bull, I, I, I forget his name. He's got a podcast and he's been mm -hmm. doing this for some time as well on the commercial real estate side. So I've been pushing the envelope, not only to try to build an actual business around the processes that I put people through and I take people through, um, but, but also around uh, utilizing digital marketing and social media to growing a commercial real estate business instead of the good old boys network of going around and shaking mm -hmm. everybody's hand all of the time. I think that's important. But at the same time, I'm also proving people wrong. My broker, who's been in the real estate world for 17 years, when I came to her in January and I said, Audrey, I'd love to uh, move my license here and, and do commercial real estate and, and um, you know, I'm going to work with buyers only. She looked at me like I was crazy. And, you know, I would say I'm also building a business around working only with buyers and not just trying to get listings. And so I'm adding value to some group of underserved clientele that maybe has not had that type of representation in the past. So I'm pushing the envelope on things, one, that have not been done before, but two, that fit the needs of, of what MJ DeMarco calls the five commandments of business. There needs to be a big need for it. I've proved the need this year. $30 million worth of real estate on the buyer side in Kansas City, Missouri is proving the need. That's a, mm -hmm. that's a big number in Kansas City, Missouri. It's a lot of transactions. Huge. You know, we don't, our, our investment properties, you know, we're not in California. So ours for a million bucks, you can get 12 units here. Okay. So, oh, wow. yeah, so it's uh, it's a little bit different. So these are large transactions, uh, but there's a lot of them there. So there's a big need. There is a barrier of entry because not a lot of people have figured out how to do this. I can control it. I'm working on how to scale it. And I'm working on how to figure out how to step away from my time being so involved in the business. So again, those are need, entry, control, scale, and time. So I'm pushing the envelope to see um, how much of those, how far on those, those, uh, those commandments I can actually take a commercial real estate business, all the while being a general partner on $50 million worth of real estate as well. So that's totally different from the brokerage side too. Yeah. So those are some, some big goals. And, and so I've continued to try to double, um, you know, you know, I, 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 I think about 10 Xing, you know, a lot and, uh, yep. you, you know, you get to a point in your career and this is probably a mental roadblock for me, but I would say to, to grant it's, it's somewhat unrealistic, hard sometimes to think about actually 10 Xing what, I yep. did this year, you know, but you know what? I, I thought about that in January and I started to do things that would actually allow me to get close to 10 Xing. And when you do that, you start thinking about systems, you start thinking about larger transactions and that puts you in um, the experience realm of people who are actually doing those things. And so continuing to do things that others say are too hard and then also figuring out how to, um, scale and step away from my time on specific aspects of my business too are really, really important for me. And that's how I'm trying totally. to push the envelope today. Yeah, man. Like when, once you start to get busy with whatever it is you're pursuing, figuring out a way to scale your time, whether it's just automating a conversation that you would otherwise be having with every person who calls mm -hmm. you, um, all the way exactly. to 
um, creating a resource list or, you know, creating content so that someone can spend 15 hours with you without you actually having to spend the 15 hours. 100%. I love that. That's a great second step. When, once you start building the, the, the groundwork, well, you know, people are obviously going to be interested in this. And if you are looking into the Kansas city market or just in general, cause I, I actually looked at that market myself when I was starting my investing um, ultimately didn't go into it only because of the time and the cost it would have taken to, to fly there relative right. to some other sure. markets that I travel to. Um, but it is a great market for investment. And I'm sure Logan would be happy to share that uh, with you if you're interested. So we are getting towards the end of the time and I want to respect your time today. But before we get into the final segment of the show, I have one quick question for you and then we'll transition. If somebody was listening in just to the next 30 seconds uh, of this show and they're, they're looking for a way to level up their game in 2020, what piece of advice would you give them? I would say stop listening to what everybody else is telling you and start listening to people who are actually producing. And that's a very difficult thing to find sometimes because of social media and digital marketing is so pre- prevalent. But there are specific movers and shakers that are in everybody's market that don't really care to even be online because they're doing so many transactions. Mm-hmm. So if you can find those folks and figure out how to solve one problem for them uh, that would allow them to do something bigger and add value to them, uh, that would be the number one takeaway. And that's helped scale my business tremendously over the last two years is finding people playing the game at a higher level figuring out something that I could do to add value to their actual business and then doing that on a regular basis. And uh, it's, it's, it's proven to be, uh, you know, yielding in ten folds for me. We're going to transition now to the focus five, which is the same five questions I ask every guest on every show. Definitely excited to hear your answers. Are you ready? I am. I'm, I'm pumped up, ready to go. All right. So first one is uh, you've mentioned a bunch of books, but what is the one book that you have gifted the most? The one book that I have gifted the most, I'm going to say is Flip the Script by Oren Claff. Flip the Script by Oren Claff. Uh, definitely link to that in the show notes. Um, can you give us just a quick overview of what someone could learn in that one? Yeah, Oren wrote Pitch Anything, which is now required reading out in Silicon Valley and um, basically how to position and, and uh, put together a presentation that um, gets past what we, what we call the croc brain, which is the oldest part of the brain, gets through the limbic system and actually to the neocortex. If you think about it, it makes sense, right? I mean, we're making this presentation for everybody and, and we're utilizing our neocortex while we're making this presentation, but when you're trying to introduce a new idea to somebody, one, you have to get your status aligned. Um, you might be young, you might be old, you might be too tall, you might be too short. They're going to judge you, but you have to get your status aligned with somebody very quickly before they're gonna hear your, your pitch, so to speak. And so Flip the Script allows you to bypass that crock brain, or not bypass it, but what I'll call neutralize it, get through the emotional limbic system and actually pitch to the neocortex to somebody so your idea feels like their idea and you guys can get on the same page a lot quicker nice that's awesome well that's going on my list no doubt um if you could get an hour of somebody's time past or present live or dead and ask as many questions as you wanted who would that person be and why yeah 
you know, it'd be Jesus Christ. And I would ask him, um, <laughs> I don't know really where I would start uh, on, on the questions that I would ask him, but I would probably ask him, uh, what's the, what's the secret to, to get to heaven? And I think I know that answer, but uh, it would definitely be Jesus just because he spent so much time with the, the criminalized, the poor, uh, and seemed to be so joyful throughout his life and had an impact on, wow, I mean, the whole world and still has that impact today. Nice. What is one thing you believe that most people would disagree with you on? I would say the nature versus nurture um, debate. And uh, Jocko Willink is another one of the guys that I follow really closely. And Jocko talks about nature and he talks about nurture. And I think that people get so caught up with their pasts and they identify with their past that they roadblock themselves to creating the future that they want to. And it might be based on their nature or it might be based on how they were brought up. And I have seen, I have lived out, and I've experienced people and myself both ways that nature, you've been able to, I've been able to overcome nature, I've been able to overcome nurture, and, and I'm not the only one out there. So it's really neither, and it's really just your choices that you decide to make in life. Zachary Babcock is someone I had on my podcast recently. Um, he's an ex-convict, spent almost five years in, in prison. You've, you've nodding your head for those of you guys who can't see the video. He's uh, clearly, you've heard of him, but he talks about the questions you ask yourself. Yes. And I, and I think that that is a, it's something that's been res, uh, rolling around in my brain is like, what questions am I asking myself? And that's a lot, I think, of what you're getting at here. That's exactly right. So you have a pretty crazy wake up hour. Can you talk to us about your morning routine? Absolutely. You know, uh, I've, I've mentioned Jesus once before. My Catholic faith is the number one important, most valuable priority in my life. And I realize if I don't control the mornings, I can't control anything. And so uh, waking up between 3.30 and 4 a.m. every single day, depending on what my day looks like. And guys, I have a nine-month-old and I have one on the way. So I don't want to hear any excuses uh, from, from that standpoint either. Um, and, and I don't go to bed at like eight either. You know, I go to bed between nine and 10 too. So, um, but I spend, I spend time with scripture. I spend time in prayer. Um, it's my own version of Hal Elrod's miracle morning, which mm -hmm. is, um, man, I can't remember all the five things that he does too, but, uh, the savers morning, you mean savers, savers. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he does the savers thing and, and visualizing, exercising, reading, scribing, uh, what are the first two? Exercise, silence, and, silence and affirmation. Yeah. So affirmation, silence, affirmation, visualization, exercise, reading, and scribing. And so, um, you know, that to me, my day gets started between eight and nine. And I want to make sure that I'm 100% on for my beautiful wife when she comes home from work and my daughter. And so uh, the only way that I can do that is to set my day up by for success through uh, doing that in the morning. And I utilize my own scripture, but also not my scripture, but my own scripture routine, but also I utilize Brendan Burchard's high performance uh, planner, which I just got my, my new six uh, in here. They're under my desk here. And so um, that helps me line out my day and, and get the day started. So from three thirty or four till six, I'm, I'm sitting in silence and I'm, I'm thinking about a lot of different things. I'm praying and and then I get up and I get my exercise going and, and start putting good things into my head from a, from a reading standpoint as well.
And Logan, you're crushing it right now. And I appreciate all the value you've brought. You've clearly done a lot of work on yourself. You've clearly got a great uh, product or rather a service out there in the marketplace. Where can people find more out about you online? Well, I appreciate that, Hans. Thank you so much for saying that. And, you know, I can be found at livefreeinvestments.com. So it's just, it sounds just like it's spelled. So livefreeinvestments.com. That's where my website is and anybody can reach out to me via there. And we're going to link to that in the show notes for sure. Um, And then uh, Logan can be found at livefreeinvestments.com. He's also on some social platforms. So I'm sure you can find him there if you prefer. Um, He's got a lot of cool stuff going on in that Kansas City market. A lot of, uh, if you're at all curious about real estate investing, that is not a bad place to go look. And he's your guy. So uh, Logan, thanks for your time today, man. Appreciate it. You've brought a lot of value and uh, look forward to staying connected with you in the future be great. Nothing else pays. Thanks, Hans. I really appreciate it. And that does it for today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening. I'm sure you got as much value out of that as I did. If you want to connect with Logan, uh, his uh, URL is down in the show notes, livefreeinvestments.com. That's livefreeinvestments.com. You can connect with him directly there. Go find some of the other podcasts he's been on and look at what kind of investments he's into because he's got a lot of cool stuff there uh, in that space. And while you're down in the show notes, remember that I have my Calendly link so you can book a 15-minute call with me totally for free, uh, no pitch whatsoever. Just want to uh, connect with you, find out how I can make this podcast better, what I should do to improve it, uh, what questions I should double down on, uh, what's working, what's not, etc., and just get to know you a little bit better. Uh, and if you're getting value out of the show, if you wouldn't mind leaving me a written rating and review, it really helps me with that feedback that I'm looking for as well as with the algorithm to help the show grow and get in front of more people. So without any further ado, uh, we're going to sign it off. So this is Hans Strazina, host of Another Way to Play. And remember to make every chapter better than the last. Thanks for joining in for this episode of Another Way to Play, making the next chapter of your life better than your last. For more insights and inspiration to help you make that personal leap, be sure to engage with Hans on social media and get your questions answered right here on the show. Reach out to Hans at Chief SNAH on Instagram, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Another Way to Play.